0: Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Mangum.
1: And I'm Mark Anderson.
0: And this is another segment of World Impact News. And today we're simply going to bring to you Supreme Court vacancies. Trump is still president. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, Mark, over the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Justice. You know, and we can see that the Republicans have honored her and celebrated her life. Much different than when Scalia passed away, Justice Scalia passed away, how the Democrats really actually celebrated his death. They were happy he was dead. Even you can see making comments and posts, today when you protest out inside of Planned Parenthood, hold your feet a sign at half-mask. So a lot of criticism there. There's a lot of talk, a lot of misunderstanding. We can see the Democratic Party crying and upset over The the, Even the idea of President Trump making a nomination for the SCOTUS, and so, you know, that's where we are. So here we see this pivotal moment, and, you know, the arguments that are being made by the left saying, well, Trump should never nominate anybody, it's an election year. And so there's a lot of information out there, and we're looking at it from a constitutional perspective. What's your thoughts on that, Mark?
1: Well, first, your comments, Jason, about Antonin Scalia. He, of course, was a strict constructionist, meaning he would uh, adjudicate by a strict interpretation uh, of the Constitution and the text. And this is the kind of Supreme Court justice that the liberal Democrats fear the most. And it's kind of a three times the charm fear here. Uh, Trump already got uh, Neil Gorsuch in amid some controversy. He got Kavanaugh in among amid much more controversy, and now in an election year that could end up being a constitutional crisis, with many people challenging the outcome of the election due to the mail-in ballot suggestion, this could become an ultra-controversial year and time to appoint a third justice, but it could be third time the charm for Donald Trump. If he gets another Antonin Scalia-type conservative in there, the court will be almost irrevocably changed well beyond Donald Trump's tenure, even if he is most likely reelected. And so this is what the Democrats fear. A, A third strict constructionist and the top nominee on Trump's watch is Amy Coney Barrett, and she was a law clerk for Scalia. And as to your comment about Scalia being, you know, kind of denigrated when he passed away, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg is being honored, uh, that's really strange. Scalia had a very storied and excellent career, and he died under murky circumstances at a far south Texas sporting lodge, and there should have been more of an investigation. That's a story for another time, but certainly he deserved all the accolades that Ruth Bader Ginsburg also deserves, So, but with, uh, with Amy Coney Barrett having been a clerk for Scalia, she's got the pips, she's got the credentials, and It's looking good for her at at this filming, uh, September 21, 2020. We cannot be certain by the time this particular win video comes out that she'll be the nominee, but it's looking that way at this juncture. And I think it it would be a well-advised nomination. And Trump does have the constitutional authority. Just because it's an election year getting close to election time, he has the authority and every bit the right to go ahead and do what he's entrusted to do and what he promised his voters he would do, his supporters, when he was first elected, and that is appoint justices at the lower court levels and the Supreme Court, do it right, and make the country more constitutional and much more a Make America Great Again template. And so, yes, Mark, that's right. And
0: that's where Trump was elected to nominate and fill seats, fill vacancies, not just in the Supreme Court, but at the federal court level, which he's been doing a great job at. And so, but now it's here, and there's these arguments being made that, well, it's an election year. Biden comes out and says there is no Supreme Court term until after the election. And so you could see, even from even in 2016, when Obama was making nominations for Supreme Court justices, where, you know, there's this double standard that's actually there. Even just to point out, uh, because the big argument is, well, it's so close to the election. Not that it's just an election year, but it's so close to the election. Well, the reality is, even in 1993, Justice Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, was nominated and appointed as the SCOTUS, as a scotus 42 days. So. But we can see where there's almost this double standard coming from the left, and it seems that they've turned 180 degrees and saying that it's unconstitutional. Nancy Pelosi is actually now making threats and says that she will impeach Trump if he nominates someone for the Supreme Court justice. You can see a retaliatory, she's even saying retaliatory impeachment, which nominating a SCOTUS, is not a high crime, and it's not a misdemeanor. As a matter of fact, it is the duty and the responsibility of the duly elected president, which is Trump. He is still president, to do that, to fill the vacancy, especially now that we can see that an election is coming up where you only have eight Supreme Court justices. And if it, it, just so that our, our viewers and listeners know that there's going to be a fight, it looks like, When it comes to the election, not just dealings with all of the voter fraud, mail-in ballots and and all those controversies. But actually, Joe Biden himself has hired and the Democratic Party has hired over 600 attorneys to fight the election and the results. Even Hillary Clinton herself told Biden, don't concede if Trump wins. There's a well-known, I guess, in the Democratic uh, advocacy circles of attorney in Dallas, Texas, that says he's gathered over a thousand lawyers to make sure Trump does not win the election. So we can see where the courts are very important and that this injuncture in time, which I believe history is actually on the side of the Republicans, because history shows. Let me give some information there. Since the turn of the century, Mark, since 1900, 61 SCOTUS, nomination, and confirmations have happened. 43 of those 61 were confirmed in less than 46 days. So that's actually 70% were done in a very short period of time. I'll give you some examples. Just going back recently, we mentioned Ginsburg. She was 42 days. Going back to 81, that was Justice O'Connor, 33 days. Then you have in 75, Justice Stevens, which was actually 19 days. So you can see even fewer. And you can actually go to the Senate's website and actually view Supreme Court justice history of every single one. Some of them, they're 11 days. They're 10 days. There's even some that were on the day. I mean, it's amazing to me. Your thoughts
1: on that, Mark? Well, starting from your most recent comments and going backward, This is where the mass media cartel completely obfuscates things. Why aren't we hearing what you just said here for World Impact News? Why aren't we hearing that loud and clear and consistently on our evening news and in our newspapers? That The precedent is that Supreme Court nominees can be nominated and confirmed in quite short time frames historically. So history is on the side of Donald Trump exercising his constitutional prerogative. There's sufficient time. And a big takeaway from today's show would be for viewers and listeners to consider that with all the instability created by the uncertainty surrounding the outcome of the upcoming election, as you just cited, Jason, with all of that, um, this is a time for stability. It's a time for Trump to exercise his constitutional prerogative and show that the government can work properly under the Constitution fill that vacancy left by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and move on. Our country needs that amid all the COVID chaos and the rioting going on. We need that stability, the the peaceful transition of power. That's very important. And uh, a couple sort of side points that are certainly worth mentioning. Um, not only was Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, nominated in, in 93, as you noted, Jason, but the fact of the matter is, is that in twenty sixteen uh, as her ill health was becoming known and she, and she was having health problems, she had a chance to do one for the Democratic Party to do one for the gipper on their side of the equation and step down and allow for the Obama administration, which was still in power to fill her uh, fill her seat uh, to to name her replacement she didn't want to step down now no one has a crystal ball no one can totally predict the future but the whole liberal establishment had their chance to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with another liberal, and she didn't step down, so that chance was missed. And another thing we don't want to overlook is recently she made this claim, almost like it's a well-wishing thing, that she herself wished and would like her wish honored that her seat would not be filled until after the election. And unfortunately, that's not how the Constitution works, uh, that might be a heartfelt thing for some people, and that's fine, but our system doesn't work that way. It's not based on what a prior justice wanted. It's based on what the current president in power sees uh, as is best for the country and what he uh, moves forward in terms of his nominations. So under the Constitution, that's how it's done. It's not, it's not done on the basis of well-wishing. So these are just some other matters that are worth bringing up to kind of clear the picture that much more.
0: To speak to that point as well is even AOC has come out and stated this is a man who does not care about a dying woman's final wish. You know, the reality is it's not based on emotions. It's based on constitutional rights and constitutional ways of doing things. So the Supreme Court is not a make a wish foundation.
1: Absolutely.
0: And and so the, the left You know, you could see them even where the left and the Hollywood elite now are crying out even for Pelosi and others to actually shut down the government so Trump can't nominate and a new SCOTUS would then be appointed. It's amazing to me to see how they try to bring the emotion into it. And these are the same people, like I said, they they won't condemn BLM, they won't condemn the riots. They won't condemn Antifa. They won't condemn all these other things. Yet they're the ones that are threatening impeachment for Trump to perform the nomination, which is his right, his which is his duty, actually. Yeah. and it's constitutional. And the other thing to speak on is that it's somebody's wish. You know, according to her granddaughter, that was her dying wish that uh, SCOTUS would not be nominated until after the election or till until an election. And so the thing about it is that seat does not belong to Ginsburg. That seat does not belong to the Democratic Party. That seat belongs to the people. And it is based on the Constitution. The Constitution states the president shall appoint a Supreme Court justice. Bottom line. We have to stick with what the Constitution is. We have to look at it at the rights of the people. We elected President Trump. He is still president, even Ginsburg. Ginsburg herself has said that where she said that a president is elected not for three years, but for four years. So and that means even in the election year. So there's all of these things that we wanted to bring to you today.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and we can show that clip now, in fact, of her making that statement that you just mentioned. I was wondering if you thought there were any valid constitutional arguments that would prevent uh, President Obama from filling Justice Scalia's seat on the Supreme Court. The president has the authority to name appointees to the Supreme Court. The president is elected for four years, not three years, so the power that he has in year three continues into year four, and maybe some members of the Senate will we'll wake up and appreciate that that's how it should be. I mean, look at what she just said there. You know, it's clear that we're on the right path in terms of our arguments today, Jason, that where, where the country is in trouble, when there's turmoil, we turn to our constitution. That's what it's there for. It's there to provide that, that leveling, that's that stability, kind of like a a sailboat where you got to get the sail just right. It's kind of like a rudder for that boat. Uh, you know to to correct any uh off course position that our country might be on that's why we have constitutions that's why we have this particularly great constitution that we that we do have and so we turn to that we see what trump's prerogatives are and you know win lose or draw it's time for him to make that nomination be it uh, amy coney barrett or someone else again she looks like the most likely candidate as this juncture as we shoot this win video but uh Yes, it's shaping up to be a very interesting time, and I think that history shows that we're on the right course for this argument. And again, it cannot be stressed too much how the liberal democratic machine, for a long, long time, Jason, and this is the other takeaway, has viewed the courts as sort of a quasi-legislative avenue. What the liberal machine cannot get done in the legislatures, they want to promulgate through the courts. So, They could have never gotten a law passed uh, legalizing abortion the way they did with Roe v. Wade in the legislatures. They had to do it through judicial fiat, and that is uh, misrepresent the facts and get this uh, judicial activism going where the judges don't read the strict text of the Constitution like Gorsuch, like Kavanaugh, like Antonin Scalia, like uh, Amy Coney Barrett, um, where instead they rule from the bench and, and they, they, they rule very subjectively, like the Earl Warren Supreme Court and the Supreme Court in 1973 when Roe v. Wade uh, was made. Uh, they, they ruled from a very subjective viewpoint, reading things into the Constitution rather than reading the Constitution. And this prospect of that judicial activism being taken away by a third Trump SCOTUS nominee and these young, healthy nominees steering the court six to three in many of its votes toward a much more conservative and constitutional future, well beyond Trump's, Trump's most likely second term. That is what really, really scares the bejesus out of the democratic, leftist, Marxist establishment, is that Trump's legacy will live on through the court's and his nominations will have long-term dramatic impacts that's the real takeaway.
0: Yeah, and speaking to that very point, that's where the other threat of the Democratic Party now through their mouthpiece Nancy Pelosi has said if Trump nominates someone that we're going to stack the courts. So they're, you know, saying they're going to stack the courts. Speaking to that very thing because they're using it as a legislative branch. Exactly what you're saying is they want to stack it their way so that they can just push through anything they want to do. They want to basically go around the Constitution, which we understand that they've attacked the Constitution and we could see that now. Trying to use the Constitution to impre- impeach the president for doing his duty and fulfilling the obligation of the office. I mean, give oh, me a sorry. but it speaks to that very point, Mark. So yeah, so, everyone, thanks for watching. You can subscribe, obviously, to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, and visit worldimpactnews.net, and you can get more news stories, videos, podcasts. Is there any final thoughts, Mark?
1: Oh, I I would just note that um, it's also been an attack on the biblical foundations of America with the getting rid of prayer in school, getting rid of Bible reading in school, knocking down any challenges to evolution, Darwinism, and then, of course, the attack on the preborn child itself, a, a, a being, a unique being created in the image of God. The, the liberal uh, use of courts for judicial activism and kind of quasi-lawmaking has attacked both the constitutional and biblical foundations of the country to fundamentally change the country. That's why they don't want to lose control of the courts.
0: 100%. And that's why there's that fight going on because ultimately the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, our Bill of Rights, all the foundation for that was on biblical principles. That is even the moral uh, Basically, moral principles is biblical principles when it comes to the courts. And so there's this fight on very pivotal point we are in right now. But again, thanks for watching. I'm Jason Mangum. And I'm Mark Anderson. And we'll see you next time. God bless.
1: God bless.